Welcome to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., Chief Joy Officer and Divorce Coach at Joyfully B. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you shift your junk to joy, heartbreak to healing, and free the funk so you can move forward faster. We don't just survive, we thrive by using joy as our GPS to create a life you're obsessed with. I invite you now to grab your cup of joy juice for another epic episode. Like my mama B always says, put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. And with that, let's start. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're so excited to bring you another epic episode today with my special guest, Amy Ambrosich. She is a parenting and step family coach a blogger, a speaker, and a smart step family therapy provider. Amy works with step couples and those who are soon to be blended, offering support and strategies for their step family success. Her signature program, Steps for Success, has helped thousands of couples create their shared vision, values, and goals, what Amy calls their family foundation. She helps them build a discipline plan based on their unique family foundation and become stronger partners in parenting. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Heidi. I'm so excited to be here. This is such a great topic. You and I met just on a whim through a women's networking group. And immediately somebody said, you have to meet Amy. What she does is amazing. And I have never until now heard of parenting and step family coach, just like many people haven't even heard of a divorce coach, right? There are these people out here now, like you and I in the coaching space who have lots of experience and expertise really helping guide people through very specific points in their journeys, in their life. And so I really just wanted to get to know more about that process and what you do, give people the information around that, because I know so many people that listen to this podcast likely have these blended families, or maybe we'll eventually have these blended families. And it gets to be such a beautiful experience if we have the tools and foundations in place. So today, I'd love to just talk about what that looks like to create that family foundation and that blended family. So tell us a little bit about first. I know it may seem very obvious, but what's a blended family? Well, that could be defined a number of different ways. It just kind of depends on who's, you know, who's coming into to the relationship. So a blended family can be a parent, their child, their partner, their kids, or there might not be, you know, the second partner may not have a child and they're starting into this relationship, not having any parenting experience, not having their own kids, but then they have shared kids. What typically is called ours babies. And then so we have stepkids now in there. We have step siblings in there. So blended families, it's amazing because there's a million different definitions of, you know, what a blended family can look like depending on who's coming in, who's coming in and out of the house. You know, you may have kids that are half time yours, half time your former spouses. So they're coming in and out. They have step siblings from that other relationship. And something that's interesting to remember is that the blended family, it's not just your unit. You know, it's, Ron Deal calls it, you're tall and you're wide because we're tall because we're multi-generational. 
And just because a couple got divorced, it doesn't mean that the grandparents are divorcing the children. You know, so we're adding those extra layers of, of generations, but it's also wider because as you remarry and your former spouse remarries and then there's additional kids and that new spouse may have an ex, all of these people kind of have a ripple effect on what's happening in, within your own family. So we're tall and wide and varied in definition, I guess. <laughs> I think the tall part is really important. I didn't think about that part, especially as it relates to blended families, because when I got divorced, I don't have any kids and we didn't have any kids, but we did have, you know, I felt like I lost brothers and sisters and dads and moms and grandparents and things like that because we didn't have the child connect. And not everybody goes about it this way. Some people are able to stay connected to their tall, but in my case, it didn't feel good to stay connected to the tall, even though we had those deep-rooted relationships. But in the case of families, I can see how important that must feel from a parental perspective and a child perspective to make sure that that tall stays intact, I suppose. Yes, definitely. And we have to remember it. I always go back to how does the child feel? You know, the child, you may not like your spouse and divorce your spouse, but that doesn't mean that the child has lost their love for their aunts, their uncles, their grandparents, and whoever else might be in that next generation. So we need to sometimes remember this isn't just about us as the adults. What are the decisions that we're having? What effect is that having on our kids with their relationships with that other generation above you? So yeah, it's super important to kind of mind how that all falls into place as you yeah. move forward. Oh, that's so helpful to lay that background there. So what really is parent and step family coaching? Can you describe that a little bit? Sure. You know, I really feel like being a parent is the most important role we'll ever have, but it's the one with the least amount of education. We don't teach parents how to parent. We don't teach couples how to parent together. We just, I remember, you know, when we had our firstborn and we get in the car and the baby's in the car seat and we're going home and I'm like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> hold on, <laughs> we're doing this now. So, you know, there wasn't, they didn't send us home with a book, you know, a set of instructions, how to raise your baby. And even if they did, these kids don't match the book that they give us. So yeah, um, because I feel like even now I hear so many parents, especially in my age group, like thirties to forties, or just a little bit beyond that, who are reading all these books and listening to all these podcasts. Like there's more information out there now than ever, but that can feel so overwhelming. And like you said, not even unique to yeah. the family structure that was designed before and the family structure that you're stepping into now, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is that, you know, yes, you could read all the books and you could, you know, listen to all the podcasts, but for a coach to step in, and this is where I step in and I love it, is the fact that I really get to know my couples well. And we talk about, we tear apart the underlying foundation. Like, what does that look like? What's not working? Where do we need to fit in? And a lot of times, and I go back to the big three, you know, our vision, our values, and our goals. And if those are not aligned as a couple, or if we haven't even talked about them, and let's be honest, when couples are getting married, we don't talk about that stuff. We just assume that it's all going to fall into place. Once I sit down with, with the couples and really start working on that vision, values, and goals for their unique family, and then they'll say, hey, I read this book or I listened to this podcast and here's what they said. I then help them, once we have that foundation in place, figure out 
what's going to work best for your family? How does, because each family is so unique, you know, and I've got four siblings, four of us have families of, you know, different dynamics. And not one of us can say that my family matches. None of us have matching families. You know, we have different numbers of kids or stepkids or whatever. So we really, as a coach, and you know this well, you know, we look at where are you starting? Where do you want to be? And and my job is to get you from point A to point B, but there's a lot of things in between that we just don't know until we know. So, and that's what I'd love to help them is build that family foundation first. When the couple's on the same page, discipline is easier, raising the kids is easier, setting boundaries around what's happening and what's allowed in and out of your family. That's important too. So, but the gift of coaching is that I get to help you move forward. And really that's what I want to do is help that couple build that strong parenting partnership because one of the things I learned, my parents were married 65 years before we lost mom. And one of the things that they modeled for us is you have to be partners. You have to have your partners back. You have to be on the same page. Otherwise, it's nothing but chaos. So having been raised in that, I understand that so deeply and incorporated that with our, you know, within our own marriage. And that's the basis really of what I do with my couples is help them build their teamwork first. And then everything else goes on to that. I love that. I love that you said teamwork and moving forward because I feel like when people come together after a life shift like divorce and then they try to bring families in new families to blend or or, uh, like you said, the tall and the wide, their first priority is really to just really bring everybody on the same page. And I feel like that sounds so much easier than it actually is. And I think one of the most important things, parts of the vision, values, and goals is that vision piece. And I can't tell you the number of people that I work with who that's actually one of the hardest parts is knowing what that vision is. And it sounds so strange, right? Because I imagine two families coming together and go, what's our vision to have a happy family, right? It's like, my goal is so vague, but then what does a happy family look like? What do your days look like? What do your... All that, all, do you find that people have a hard time creating that vision ever? When I first started coaching, yes, because I would ask that question, they would give me the generic answer, but I've got some exercises now that really hone it in for them. And what I do is I have them do it individually, and then we kind of see where is their common ground, where there are things that, you know, their partner goes, oh, wait a minute, I never thought about that, or I'm not comfortable with that, or, you know, so we kind of work out those tweaks and, and build we co-create what is their family unit vision. But it's interesting because yes, everybody answers that same question with, well, I don't know, we just want to be happy. It's like, well, great, but how are we going to get there? (laughs) Yeah. I love the word co-create also, because I think it's so important what you said that in some of your exercises, it's separate and then brought together instead of just going, okay, what are we going to create together is, wow, I really need to understand what is important to me, what visions, values, and goals I have individually. And I think this is an even an important exercise to do when you're just figuring yourself out after divorce, like I work with so many of my clients is to go, who am I? It's that uncovering and discovering process of Mm -hmm. that vision, who I want to be as myself, what my values are as myself, what my goals are as myself. And then I'm able to co-create with my friends, with my family, with my love interest with all, all yeah. with my with my career, all those different webs and parts of us become more tangible to co-create with once we've centered in on what's happening within ourselves. 
You know, and something, especially for women that have been through a divorce, if they're going to recouple, and it's interesting because if you look at the statistics, you know, 50% of first marriages, they end up in divorce. About 75% of those people then recouple either through a marriage or a partnership of some sort. But then you start looking at the statistics for second marriages, and it's not good because we haven't taught them how to do that. Part of that is taking that vision piece, what your vision looks like. You know, if you're going to then partner up with someone, they're going to have a different vision, and you're bringing in some stuff from your first marriage that you're like, I don't want this, or I don't want that, or I need more of this or more of that. So when I work with my stuff couples, I really try to get in tune with them of, what didn't work, you know, what is an absolute no, what's an absolutely yes, that we have to make sure that we're incorporating into your family foundation so that you're nurturing each other and you're nurturing your relationship in a healthy way. So I think that's super, I love that you said, you know, we need to work on ourselves before we step into that next relationship. Yeah. Oh, that's so important. I love those statistics too. That's very helpful. I wanted to ask you, where do you see people in this area of life struggling the most? Where are the most hardships in this process? One of the first things I always hear from my step couples is this is so much harder than we thought it was going to be, or this is not what I signed up for, you know, and (laughs) both of those are super important to think about because I think we go, a lot of couples go into that second marriage thinking, oh, this is going to be so much better than the first. You know, he's so different or she's so different or whatever, but then they get into it. And once again, we haven't educated them on how to be a good parenting team. We haven't talked about how to make this relationship healthy and, you know, even just the basics, like your expectations and roles, you know, like as we're moving into this new relationship, a lot of step parents struggle with. Well, they assumed I was going to do this or that, you know, like a lot of women tell me, well, it was assumed I was going to start making the kids lunches and get them to school every day. No one asked me. They just assumed I was going to do that. You know, there's a lot of assumptions that we go into that second marriage with. So that's typically sticking points. It's that unspoken expectations of your partner, just Mm. assuming they're going to do these things. (laughs) And that's, that can get everybody in trouble. Yeah. And that definitely happens on both sides of the tracks too. I'm sure it happens. I think I would assume that maybe it happens unconsciously too, right? People aren't intentionally trying to go, that's your role, that's your role, that's your role. But because of where they came from, maybe in their past Mm -hmm. experiences, it's just kind of become the patterning that's within and without taking a look at if this is still going to be my patterning or if that patterning is still okay for my partner in this Mm -hmm. new relationship. Also the the child dynamic of like, what does that look like? Yes, absolutely. And a lot of step parents, they're like, I've never been a step parent before. And there's different rules. You know, when you have your own biological children, you start from day one, like, and here's your baby and we're going to start this relationship. I always have to remind the birth parent of my step couples, you know, your partner came in. If let's say every year is a new chapter of your child's book, you started at the beginning at the introduction as the birth parent, your partner is coming in on chapter seven, meaning, you know, the child's seven years old or chapter 15, which let me tell you, stepping into the step parent role when you have now gained teenagers 
God bless you because it's going to be <laughs> raising teenagers is hard enough, let alone trying to be the new adult in the role. But I yeah. always have to remind the birth parent, is that, you know, your partner doesn't have the history with your child that you do. Those two have to figure out their relationship. And the step parent is trying to figure out where do I fit in? You know, even though we love each other and even the step parents and step kids that have a healthy relationship going in, you know, everybody's okay with each other. They still don't have that history. So there may be things that come up like, how do we celebrate birthdays? How do we celebrate the holidays? Mm -hmm. Family traditions. And then you'll hear things like, well, I don't want to do that with you because I do that with mom. You know, that's my tradition with mom. So step parents are coming into these new roles and they're like, what lines can I cross? What lines should I not? Where can I go that the floor is not going to shatter under me because I thought I was doing the right thing. And I walked in not knowing, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. So there's so many dynamics that we need to think about through that whole process. And it it's hard. It's hard. And I've heard from a number of bio parents They've said, I just want them to love each other. And I totally get that. But there's not that history. There's not those shared experiences. And those shared experiences are what bonds two people together. So we need to create some new ones. The other part of that is I have to remind the step parent, you know, is a try. I've got my hands going, the Italian in me. Sorry. I got my I love it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Your viewers or your listeners can't see that. But think about it as a triangle. You know, you've got birth parent, you've got the child, and then you've got step parent in there. There's still that connection between the birth parent and and the child. And sometimes you need to you know, encourage that bonding time with them. And sometimes you're feeling like I have to fight for 10 minutes with my spouse because their child is more important than I am. So there's a lot of push and pull within that triangle. So depending on what's going on, I have to remind people, you know, like, here's where you want to encourage things. Here's where you need to step back a little bit and let the other two people figure it out or spend some time together and let them grow. And there's going to be, you know, skin, knees and ripped up elbows along the way because we're trying to figure it out. So, but keeping those relationships, that triangle and where's that push and pull on the different sides of the triangle, it's super important to help them get from those rough points to, okay, now things are a little calmer in the house because I understand that I can step back and I'm not being a second citizen in the whole thing. I'm just giving them some space. Wow. I feel like that whole part of this is so important because I can see how when a parent is with their child and then another parent comes in, how there could be now, let's say that's me and I have a daughter and now I've got my new partner. And now maybe I feel at tug of war in these moments of parenting going, well, I've been in history with this child for my whole, since the womb. And now this other person is coming in and maybe they still have their other parents. And so that's a whole nother layer. I'm sure some families don't have access to that parent and some do, and some have access to grandparents. All those different dynamics, I can see how. And then the other part of it, Amy, too, is I was wondering, I would assume that what you do is really helping that step parent also navigate their own emotional responses. Because I would imagine there's got to be, especially in those moments of feeling chosen over the child, almost just 
those responses of insecurities or maybe just the blame and the shame and the guilt that is projected on from a child from their own pain points, just because they're in so much hurt from the divorce and things like that. Is that part of the process is just like navigating the emotional responses with your clients? Absolutely. And it's, it, it's helpful for them when I give them the perspective of the child. Here's maybe what your kiddo's feeling, and here's maybe why he's reacting the way they are. And, you know, and part of it too is kids have a loyalty to their birth parents. And now is it okay that I have fun with my stepmom? I don't want mom's feelings to be hurt if I'm enjoying doing this thing with my stepmom. Will mom be mad? Will she be upset? Will it hurt her feelings? You know, and these kids, in fact, I literally just published a blog on this morning. You know, sometimes these kids feel this, I feel stuck in the middle. So they'll downplay, you know, if they go back to mom's house after being with dad and stepmom, you know, mom will say, so how was it? Oh, it was fine. And then they just, they get real quiet about it because they're like, I don't want mom to know that I had a great time because then she'll be sad or she might be mad. Or if there's, you know, between birth parent and step parent, if there's conflict, and of course, in a lot of step families, there is a lot of conflict, a lot of control issues, things like that. If the child's aware of that and parents, I don't care how much you try to hide it, kids feel it. They can feel the tension in the room. So if a kid is aware of that, they're going to be super careful on what they say and who they react to and, and how they tell you what information and all of that, because they're stuck in the middle of all of the adults making these decisions and all of these relationships. And they're like, look, I just want everybody to be happy. You know, like, just give me a minute here. <laughs> yeah, I've seen this happen. I'll just say I've seen this happen where family comes together, new, brand new blended family with several kids on each side. And one of the parents is just adamant that we're going to be a unit now. Get over being mad about it. I don't care if you don't like that sibling. They're your sibling now and you're going to take it and we're going to do it together. And it, I know from witnessing this firsthand, I know that that came from such a good intention, right? It's the intention of like you said, just wanting everybody to get along and be happy and now be one big happy family again. But what do you have to say and how can parents go about that approach better rather than just you're going to like it and these are your siblings now? Because I've seen that happen. Yes. And that's hard. One of the things I like to remind parents of is think about it as you're planting seeds in the garden you know, the seed's not going to immediately tomorrow sprout up and give you tomatoes. You have to nurture it. You have to fertilize it. You have to water it. You need to make sure it's got warm sunshine and things like that. Relationships are like that too. It takes a lot of nurturing and care. Very intentional behaviors on your part as the adults. I call it space and, you know, give people space and grace because yeah. this is going to be hard and you can't force those relationships. You can't just like you can't force the seed to be a tomato plant tomorrow. It's going to be a seed and it's going to be a little seedling with a little sprout on it. And, you know, it's going to take some time. And there may be times where the kids eventually figure it out and they're like, OK, with each other. There's other times where it is all they can do to stand each other for, you know, to sit at the dinner table together. Yeah, it's a personality thing. Something that people don't think about too, is when kids, if there's multiples that you have and there's multiples that your partner has and you're bringing them all together, okay, well, now these kids have to figure out the pecking order. Mm. You know, 
the baby of the family is now third in line and there's two behind me. I'm no longer special. I'm no longer the baby of the family. Or your firstborn, they get a step-sibling who's now four years older and the boss of the house. You know, it's like, I'm no longer lead, you know, lead sibling in the family. I'm now a second in charge kind of thing. So there's those placement dynamics too that, that are hard. And the parents really just want everybody to get along, but we have to remember it's going to take time. You know, Ron Deal, and I love Ron. I mean, studying under him has just been a blessing, but he talks about the slow cooker method versus the Instapot method. You know, Instapot, you throw everything in there, you high pressure cook it, and you make it all happen. Can't do that with a step family. With a step family, it's a slow cooker. Everybody, all the ingredients get in and then they simmer and then they soften and then the flavors kind of start blending. But it takes a long time, you know, and that's what a step family is. It's a, a nurturing, a growing space and grace have to happen because you have to understand that there's going to be times where everybody's getting along. And then there's other times where the tornado hits and it's ugly. And we have to just everybody take a breath and let's figure this out. And no, you're not going to all love each other. And we're going to have to get used to that, you know? So yeah, <laughs> a lot to figure out. It's like pieces in a puzzle and you have to figure out which pieces are going to fit well together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can see how valuable this is, but like a lot of things in life, not most, a lot of things in life, we don't usually take action until the pain threshold is too much. And I hope that many, many people hear this before they get into blended families, because I could see how much more valuable it could be to work with you as they're starting that step family process versus getting in the same space cramming everybody in the pressure cooker. And then the pain threshold gets so high that it feels so steamy. Then you need to find Amy and get the tools. It's like, what if we know that step family blending is coming about and we can move forward in a healthy way before we even start mixing and blending and all those types of things. Have you seen both ends of the spectrum? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I really started working with the soon-to-be blended or the engaged in blending kind of things, because when we wait until that pressure point hits, everybody's in crisis at the same time. It is harder to figure out, okay, what do we need to work on first? Where do we need to like take some steps back? Where do we need to put a little pressure, you know, and we need to focus on this thing instead of that thing. But if I can get to you ahead of time and give you almost like preventative tools in your toolbox, you know, you don't always need a pipe wrench, but boy, it's good to have that pipe wrench or that pipe bus kind of thing. So having those preventative things, and I've had, I've been so blessed to work with a couple where it was the soon-to-be step-parent that called me and said, I'm about to become a step-parent. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. What do we do? So working with that couple, I was able to help them understand their step-family role, understand, you know, when they should and shouldn't be stepping in for discipline. It depends on the age of the kiddos in the relationship, building that step-parent, step-child relationship. You know, we need to, sometimes we need to just gently work on that a little at a time, but also helping the bio parent understand your partner's position and why they're struggling, but also your child's thing too. And then our biological parents struggle too, because they're like, well, these are my kids. I've been parenting them. I know them best. Like, well, yes, you do. And that's great information for you to share with your parent or with your partner. 
but you need to allow them in. If you're going to bring them in as your life partner, you need to allow them in the process. And this is how we're going to do it. So there's, yeah. So if I can get in ahead of time and give them this preventative stuff, get them on track to understanding each other better before they take the I do's and the walk down the aisle, it really does help them like, oh, that's right. This is what she told us. She warned us this was going to happen. Now we have the tools we need to figure it out. (laughs) Yes. It's all about, I call it the transformational toolbox. And that's what I work with my clients with as well when they're newly divorced. But I love what you said about like working with engaged in blending or soon to be step parent before it all comes to be. I know that there are times, Amy, where I beg women on social media, like, please do not wait until you're three, four years past into divorce where your pain threshold is so high. Like how about when we're contemplating divorce or when we're just starting to ease into the signing process, that's a great time to start working with a coach because it's really about, again, like creating that foundation of finding yourself again, stepping back into the vision, values, and goals. And there's so many similarities between what we do just at different phases of the healing process and different unique needs. Like it's just so beautiful when you meet somebody that's just getting started and they're going, Hey, I don't want to find my, I don't want to have to pick myself up off the bathroom floor when I've been crying there for four years. I want to like, it's, yes. two, it's a couple weeks, couple months in. And I know that I don't want to feel like this anymore. I want to feel like mm-hmm. me again. And I want to have that softness and that love in my life again. So I love that. Can you talk about a little bit about the importance of boundaries as it relates to really building this family foundation. Absolutely. Well, the boundaries come, there's a number of different avenues that we could talk about boundaries, but it's really about protecting your relationship as a couple. And I tell them, you know, you're in your castle, there's a moat around your castle, you control that drawbridge. So what I'm talking about is there a high conflict X. If so, we need to set boundaries around when they're texting, when they're messaging, how they're messaging, things like that, because that chaos will bring chaos into your home and into your relationship, which mm. then ripples into the family and that's a whole mess. So, but it's also boundaries of setting those expectations for the kids to say, look, I understand that I am your parent, but this new person who's coming into our family and we are now all a family. That doesn't mean that they cannot discipline you. You know, you, my boundary with you is you will accept this as, you know, we are together leading this family. These are our family rules. It's not just my rules. It's our rules, everybody together. Because sometimes kids will push back. And yeah. that's, of course you do, because it's like, well, now I have this other adult bossing me around and telling me to do the dishes or whatever. Yeah, And but I don't know you. you. I didn't choose you. I don't know you. I like my other parent. And it just, it's an easy way to just repel it, repel it, repel it. When you didn't want your parents to separate in the first place, it's easy to it as a child to just feel all of that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So we said, you know, boundaries around also just the the outside chaos that's allowed into your relationship because you have former spouses, you have grandparents on all of the sides, all wanting a piece of you. So even around the holidays, I help couples figure out like, how are we going to do the holidays? What are we going to say no to? What are we going to say yes to? And setting those boundaries. So these are the expectations for all our family in this house. 
And then we will work with everything else after we figure out what we want this to look like for us. Then we'll kind of let things in that are, are appropriate and set, you know, set boundaries against things that are not going to work out. So in the boundaries, again, it goes back to what's our vision? What are our family values? What are our goals? And then when you're talking about a boundary, does this fit? Does this help? Does this match that family foundation? If not, then we need to have a discussion about, well, why not? And what do we want to do with this? Yes. Wow. That is really powerful stuff. Is part of the process also communicating that out to the children? What the vision, what the values, what the goals, what the boundaries are? Do they need boundaries? Do they need boundaries that support them and all this is for them? How does that process work to make sure that everybody actually is on board? And maybe there is a buy-in from the kids to this new unit. Absolutely. When I work with the couple, because I don't work with the kids, but what I do is that's part of the homework is we're going to get a look at what you guys like and don't like and, you know, figure out what your family foundation is going to be. But then we're going to have a conversation with the kids Mm -hmm. and ask them, you know, when we talk about family values, the couple, we do our exercises, we get down to like five. This is our top five, our common ground five. But then I tell them, now you need to sit down with the kids and you need to have a conversation with them to say, look, these are some of the things that we think is really important for our family to be happy and healthy and have good relationships. What do you think about what does each of these words mean to you? Because the couple has decided on their five. But if one of the step couples I worked with, they were one of my first step couples, the word respect came up in conversation and she said, your boys are very disrespectful. He was flabbergasted to say the least. He's like, I've never heard anyone tell me that before. And so it turned out that her expectations of what respect looks like was different than his. And this is how his boys were raised, but it was a different set of what respect looks like within the home. So once we had that conversation, we were able to figure that out. I said, no, you all need to go home and talk to your kids and have a family conversation Start it out. When you hear the word respect, what does that look like to you? And really get into the behaviors. You can't just talk about it in, you know, happy words. You need to talk about the specific behaviors you expect for that value. Because mm. then the kids have a target goal. Okay, that I can do. That I understand. That I'm willing to do. Or I'm not comfortable with that. And here's why. And listen to them. Really listen to why they're not. Maybe it just feels different. The expectation is different from what they were used to. And they're like, oh, well, this feels weird. Like, why do I have to do that? And then have that conversation. As the adults, you may have to do a little give and take on that too, you know, to get that buy-in from the kiddos and go, you know, I never thought about it that way. I'm willing to back off on that. And let's look at it differently. So yeah, there's a lot of conversation that needs to happen around all of it. And then yes, you do have to bring the kids in because like you said earlier, the kids didn't ask for the parents to get divorced. They didn't pick their new partners and they certainly didn't pick these kids that came along in the process. You know, like, well, who invited them to the party kind of thing. So if you want that buy-in, you have to have these conversations with the kids and say, and of course it depends on the age group too. Sure. Our younger ones, they'll just kind of slide on in. There's going to be some rebellion, but you kind of, you know, you have those conversations with the older kids, preteens and teens, especially men. If you don't engage them in these conversations, you are setting yourself up for a lot of battles. So it's important to have those conversations. 
Yeah, that's so important. The age differences too. And I love how you said, define what that word means to you. I think that's important in our everyday lives. If folks just sit down after this podcast and reflect on their own vision and their own values, and then really define what that is for yourself and communicate to the people that are closest to you, what that means for you so that you can really stand in those values wholeheartedly, authentically in what they hold for you. Absolutely. And when we're clear as the adults, that helps us then make decisions about our discipline. You know, like, okay, we're all on the same page. So this new family rule, we're making it because it fits into our family values. So, and it also helps you, like everything needs to go back to your family foundation, any decision you make. And it's always easier to parent if you have that family foundation, because you're like, okay, we're clear on what we want for our family absolutely know where we want to be, where we're going. So does this new thing that's coming in the door, does this fit or does this not? And if not, why not? And do we want to let it in or do we, is this a boundary thing that we put out? So yeah, it's so important. And I wish that we talked about this on a constant basis because it would save people so many headaches, both for your clients who are going through the divorce thing and my couples coming in, they're like, we need to know this stuff. We need to have this. And we, I really wish we had more of these conversations on a daily basis. This needs to be the normal kind of conversation. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There, there's just so much healing when we are in a space of curiosity and yeah. growth. And just like, I know that when I went through divorce, I didn't have any of the tools that I teach now. I had to sign up for my own space of healing and all those different pieces and elements. And I can only share now because I've taken those certifications and gotten that toolbox and understood just so deeply what people are moving through. But it really is this sense of it doesn't have to be this like nasty thing. I have a coach and I'm all messed up and all these things. It can be like, wow, I'm so empowered to figure out how to lead my family and myself through this next journey with a toolbox that I never even knew existed. Absolutely. I think for other people, you know, because when I told my parents, this is what I want to do, you know, I want to start coaching parents. They were like, well, okay, I don't even know what that means kind of thing. So when I explained it to them, like, oh, It would have been great to have somebody to call and say, here's where we're struggling. What can we do? What's underlying that we're not seeing? And that's part of the thing that I do with my couples is I talk about it, peeling away the layers of the onion. You know, just when you think you've pulled enough layers, there's still somewhere that we need to pull back. So, um, and I'm sure your ladies, you know, that work with you feel the same way. Like, you know, they present with one thing and they're like, oh, and the deeper you dig, the more you're like, oh, now I get it. Yes. Now I understand what's going on. So yeah, super important to, and give yourself permission to talk to a coach. And, you know, I think there's that misunderstanding that we're a lot like counselors and we're going to dig into all the nasty, deep, ugly, mucky. No, we want to empower you to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Give you that strength to move forward. So yeah. Had I had this information when we started raising our kids, good Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting because I get people who come to me every so often that say, hey, I'm actually not divorced, but I love all the things that you're talking about. And 
reclaiming my joy and finding myself again. Like, I just feel like I don't even really know myself and I don't even know how to tap into my joy center. Like, can I work with you? Absolutely. The tools that I use are for everybody and everyone. And I would imagine the same thing with you. If if you are a family right now who is not separated, I know you're specialized in all of that, as am I in the divorce spectrum, but the tools that you can use to help people move forward does not mean that you have to wait until everything has fallen apart, you know? Oh, no, absolutely. Just like really having the desire and the and the intention to up level from where you're at because you're feeling a little stuck. Yes. And with kids, there's ages and stages. And you will get stuck sometimes. And I actually, when I started coaching originally, it was nuclear couples that I was working with. And then for some reason, I started finding these stuff couples coming and going, okay, this blended thing is not what we signed up for. And that really kind of piqued my interest. And at the same point in time, two of my sisters were stepping into the stepmom role and they were like, holy smokes, this is hard. So, and I just, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with understanding the dynamics behind it and all of that. But yes, what my, my, the core of what I teach can work with any family. Absolutely. You know, I worked with quite a few nuclear families before I ended up in the step family realm, but it's about being good partners in parenting and having your family foundation and just knowing what do we build our family on? What's the Mm -hmm. core that we're building our family on? And if we have that, it makes everything so much easier, you know, and and when our teenagers pushing back and we're like, no, 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 in our family. And I'm going to tell you right now for everybody listening in our family is the best thing that you can turn around and say to your kids, because they're not going to say, well, you know, Jesse's family doesn't do that. Well, so-and-so's family does. Well, that's fine. But in our family, this is what we do. You know, I love that. (laughs) I love that. That can work in anyone's situation because even just being in a relationship with one other person and no kids, that's your family. And you can say to your partner, you know, in our family, I thought that in our family, this is how we did it. And this is what we wanted for each other. Now, one last thing I want to quickly touch on, and we may have covered all the bases because we have covered so much ground in a short amount of time, (laughs) but I know you're really big on preparation and how important it is like before getting into a new step family or relationship, like the preparation piece is so key. Is there anything in the preparation part that we missed out on? I think it's really just not assuming you know everything because, you know, we've been married almost 33 years. Going into the pre-marriage classes, I'm like, my mom and dad have been married forever. You know, like, we got this until you're in it. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute here. So give yourself permission to read a book, work with a coach, listen to a podcast, whatever, never stop learning because the more we learn, the more we grow, the better we'll be at listening to our partners too, because, you know, it kind of, if we're not stuck in our own version of what the right way of doing it is, then we're willing to be a little more flexible and open to, you know, hearing our partner and working with them. The other thing too is just allow yourself that space to make mistakes because we're all going to do it. We don't know what's right around the corner. We don't know how to be a parent. We don't know how to be a step parent. You kind of grow into everything. You grow into those roles. So don't beat yourself up. If you make a mistake, that's part of learning and growing and becoming a better version of yourself. So 
Space and grace helps too. (laughs) Wow. Those are truly powerful pieces there. You know, that unassuming space of curiosity, like curiosity and then space for mistakes, just meaning like compassion. That's what that means to me of like, make sure you're on the same page with being curious, asking those questions instead of assuming and listening, listening, like you said, like ask the questions, curious questions from a place of compassion. I learned in after going through my divorce that those were areas that I could really groom and practice. And and I've just gotten so good at it. I can say that in a very humble way. I realized I wasn't that good at being curious and compassionate before. Mm. And I thought I was because I considered myself a loving person and, and, and I was, and I still am, but I wasn't as curious and compassionate as I am now. I just was very assuming and I didn't know what I didn't know then. So it yes. feels good to get the backing and the coaching and the mentorship and the tools that have put me in a position that I am now where I can have that space for mistakes for myself and other people. That's yes. really key. Like we can make mistakes too, especially in blended families. You're going to make mistakes just like you would in any other relationship. And I think the other special thing about you, Amy, is I know just from our short time together, you do have that ability to hold space for people in that loving, compassionate way where they can come to you and you can allow them to feel so safe, vulnerably sharing their mistakes so they don't have to hold on to it and they can just move forward. Absolutely. I want my couples to feel like, okay, this is a safe space. There's no judgment ever. We're all in the learning process. Absolutely. But I also feel like, look, I made mistakes. I mean, I raised three kids. I made some mistakes along the way that I wish I could redo, but obviously I can't. So, you know, I understand. I get it. I get it that you're just trying to do your best with what you know. And if I can give you some new things to know and some new skills and strategies, I'm here. One of the couples I was just chatting with them last week, and and she said, you're a really good cheerleader for us. Like, you believe in us sometimes when we don't believe in us. And I'm like, yes, because you guys are here. You know, if you're here, it means you want to do better. And I will do whatever is in my power to help you do better. So, yes. (laughs) That is so important. Just like you believe in us, that is so powerful for people to know. And sometimes they just need that reflection back from their coach to go, yeah, oh, yeah. I do got this. I am okay. I am a good person. I am doing my best, even though I messed up a little bit there. Like I'm here because I want to do better and I want to feel better and I, all those things. So I love that. I love this conversation. I want people to make sure they can get more of you. Where can people get more Amy in their life? (laughs) Well, uh, first of all, thank you for giving me this space to chat with your folks, your followers. I appreciate it. They can go to my website, daretoparent.com. There's actually you in, I think in the show notes you have, I have a free ebook that I just created for step couples. It's just three quick strategies for step couple success. Just a little peek into what I do. They can always reach out to me. If you go to my services page, there, there's a, a button you can click to contact me and no obligation, just a chat, just a conversation. If you're curious, like, well, what would this look like for us? Let's have that conversation. I can promise you there will be no push at the end. Like you have to work with me or else. If we're a good fit, that's great. If not, that's okay too. If I can, you know, support you somehow, I will. But I just want parents to know and step parents to know that you don't have to figure it out on your own. You really don't. Come to my website. I've got some stuff on there. 
Um, you know, they can follow me on Instagram at Amy Ambrosage underscore Step Family Coach. Again, my last name's a long one, so it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> so they can follow me there because um, I'm going to be posting like once a month. There'll be a new ebook out uh, that'll be a freebie. So I just want to offer support where I can. And if anyone's got any questions, they're more than welcome to contact me at amy at daretoparent.com. Mm, yes, you guys get some Amy in your life. Or if you aren't <laughs> in a space where you need her, I know you know someone who does. That is the power of it. You know, I talk to divorced women all the time, but the number one way that they find me is through their trusted, loving resources. Yes. So if you're somebody who's listening who is not in this blended family space, I know you know someone. Tell them to share this podcast with them, text them right now, just so they can get Amy's flavor and then they can get to know her. Even even better. So Amy, I have two closing questions. I ask every guest, they're really easy. And the first question is, can you share with us one thing that you love most about you? Oh, that came out of the blue. You know, you used the word compassion earlier. And I do feel like I love to be able to sit and give people that space. And I try to listen with, you know, with that compassionate ear. That's, I think, something I'm pretty good at is just giving people that space, that safe space. Yeah, I would agree. That is a beautiful trait of yours. And then the last question is, Amy, what does joy feel like in your body? Ooh, like a tingly energy. When you say joy, I kind of like want to start dancing. Yes. <laughs> the, dancer, the dancer in me wants to get up and move. But yeah, just when you think of joy and, and when I think of my stuff couples having joy, it's that feeling of fullness, that tingling in your body, like this is the best moment ever. That's what joy should feel like for us. Ooh, so good. So good. <laughs> Thanks again for being here on Couple Joy, the podcast. It's been a delight to have you and a treasure to know you. And to the rest of you who are listening, go out into the world, shine your light bright and live a limitless life. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved the chat today, take a quick screenshot of this episode and send it to a friend. Connecting with you brings sunshine to my soul. So let's continue our conversation on Instagram at joyfully be and check out my soulful services at joyfullydivorced.com. Remember joy is contagious. So go out there, shine your light bright and live a limitless life.